Hi, this is Mike Fabares wishing you a joyful new year. Don't miss out on this important tax deadline. This coming Monday at midnight, Focal Point Radio will close the books on another year. So we're asking you, our faithful listener, to give as you're able. Call 888-320-5885. That's 888-320-5885. Or go to focalpointradio.org. And thanks in advance for your critical year-in gift. Now, here's today's Focal Point. Well, we're glad to have you with us for this post-Christmas edition of Ask Pastor Mike on Focal Point. I'm Dave Drewy. Today, we'll hear Mike Fabares address a sensitive question from our listening family, one that you may be thinking about yourself. Of course, if you'd like to pose a question of your own, let us know at focalpointradio.org. Mike Fabares is the senior pastor at Compass Bible Church in Southern California. Now let's step into the pastor's study with the executive director of Focal Point, Jay Wharton. Thank you, Dave. I'm here with Pastor Mike and Pastor Mike. People that are listening today are probably cleaning up after the celebration, but many people will feel a letdown after the holidays. Why do you think that is? Yeah, well, I mean, I think we all do for a lot of things. As a matter of fact, for almost everything on the planet, as we've talked about before, you just never can have the completeness and totality of all that we desire in anything here on earth. I mean, I, I think of uh, Asaph there, Psalm 73, you know, there's nothing here on earth that's going to satisfy us. I mean, there's nothing ultimately that's going to meet the ultimate need that we have. And that is God. That's the need we have. And we're not going to have the fullness of God, really, until we see Christ face to face and we enter into the kingdom, this place where righteousness dwells. So in some ways, everything on earth is a dim reflection of that. And we get as close I suppose, to those moments at times when we celebrate great things like the incarnation of Christ. So our expectations sometimes are high, family, gifts, you know, celebration of the important theological things in our lives. But uh, I think we're always going to lean back as long as we're in this world, in our flesh, and we're going to say, that wasn't all I kind of hoped it would be. I know for a lot of people during this time, you spent a lot of time preparing the meal and it just gets eaten so quickly. And you spent a lot of time selecting gifts and wrapping them and they get opened quickly and then the kids are off to doing something else. How should we be feeling as Christians during this Christmas holiday that would maybe take away that sort of emptiness that we can feel after all of these things? Yeah, well, you know, a lot of it is our expectations. Sometimes our expectations are wrong. You know, we envision a time when uh, our kids aren't uh, as flawed as they are the rest of the year or our spouse or our family. You know, we expect that just to be without any problems on that day. And of course, we're all still the flawed people we were in November. So, you know, this is part of, I think, recognizing the expectations that we ought to have and not over blowing our expectation for Christmas or any other time of the year. We just have to deal with the hard facts that things aren't perfect here on earth. And, you know, there's no present that's going to satisfy a kid for the rest of his life. There's no relationship that isn't going to be without its trouble. And our relational troubles don't look at the calendar and say, well, I got to take December off because it's an important time of the year. So these are just realities for us. And we need to kind of reset our expectations a bit. And I'm not saying we shouldn't expect good times uh, celebrating Christ uh, with our families, but you know, we just need to be realistic about that. And then, as C.S. Lewis used to say, we need to really think beyond this world because we have desires that are never met in this world. We must be made for another world, to paraphrase Lewis. I mean, that really has to be our mindset. 
And, and unfortunately, some of the depression and frustration and, and letdown that people have at this time of year is the greatest throughout the year because their expectations are so high and the distance between reality and their expectations becomes so obvious and such a big gap and such a big chasm that they, they crash pretty hard. And we certainly want to save our listeners from that. We don't want them to have that frustration that, you know, my life's awful because everyone else's life is better than mine. And it's just not true, right? Everybody from our families and every family I know, we've got issues and, and difficulties and the aches and pains of life. And, you know, we're fallen people in a fallen world. So we can't expect perfection until we get there. And, and that's what we're all about, right? That Colossians 3, setting our minds on things above. And I can't wait for that. That's really home. Right now, we're just traveling through. We're strangers and sojourners on this planet, and we're looking forward to that day. It doesn't mean we can't have some good times along the way to celebrate important things like the birth of Christ. But let's just be realistic, I guess, is what I'm saying. Besides managing our expectations, maybe tempering them a little bit during this Christmas holiday season— are there other ways that we can find the true contentment or find better contentment here on earth after Christmas is over? Yeah, I mean, there are things that I think every Christian, a real Christian, a regenerate person is going to find the uh, the most important sustenance and feeding and fuel for their lives that come from their time with God in prayer, in Bible study. And, you know, we hopefully throughout the year find that that is one of the best times of our day, the best thing about our life is we're connecting in intimacy and devotion with God in the privacy of our own heart, you know, as Jesus put it on the, in the inner room, in the closet, praying to the Lord. So, I mean, we shouldn't substitute those things during festive days like Christmas and say, well, now I'm going to try to find the best things in life somewhere else. And it's not that I'm against family and celebration. I'm just saying, let's just make clear that really what is the best thing that we have going and that is my relationship with the Lord. That has to be something I, I know. That's where I find contentment. That's where I find peace. I mean, I think about the promises in Philippians 4, right? If I want a peace that surpasses all comprehension, well, the passage is preceded by, I'm taking all my anxieties and I'm praying about them. And I'm telling you, for most people, Christmas is not a big day of prayer, right? <laughs> we're skipping our time in the Word in the morning. We're running down to do presents. We're cooking meals. We're having people over. And we get to the end of the day, we think, I didn't even really spend any time with God today. That's easy to do. And then we say, well, why do I feel so discontented? Well, the thing that makes you content three weeks ago was, you know, spending time in the Word, connecting with the God that made you. So we need to get back to that. And, uh, you know, Christmas can be even more difficult to find contentment in because our schedules, for those of us that have these spiritual disciplines in place, they get a little messed up at Christmas time. Well, that's good advice. I appreciate that, Pastor Mike. Thank you for doing that. I trust it'll be a helpful conversation for our listeners in the wake of the Christmas season here. We're going to continue this topic with a message you gave called Post-Christmas Contentment, Learning to Rest in the Sufficiency of God. Did you get uh, everything you wanted for Christmas? Ah, uh, that's a silly question because I know the answer to that. No, you did not. I'm sure of it. There's a lot of stuff that, that earthly Christmases just can't provide. There's a lot of things that we desire, that we really want, that uh, if we're honest, there's no, uh, you know, no party, no family, no good health, no gifts, none of that can get to. It is, as the sage professor of lit at Oxford said, if I find in my heart desires that cannot be met in this world, the most probable explanation is that I, I wasn't made for this world, I was made for another world. And Lewis was right because that, that is the, the 
honest assessment of every person who looks inside of themselves and recognizes there the things on this earth cannot provide uh, the, the deepest desires and hungers and appetites of, of our heart. And, and sometimes it's good to get honest about that, particularly during Christmas time when all the expectations are jacked up so high. I mean, it, we have this uh, sense with the decorations and the parties and the cards and the slogans and the carols that we start to thirst for this kind of perfect experience, this Norman Rockwell you know, Christmas experience, and then we're left with reality, which uh, you know, isn't quite as perfect, right? I mean, I had the you know, ideal Christmas with my family and with stockings and presents and all that, but I had a, had a headache. I didn't feel, I didn't feel perfect. Uh, and then I looked at my kids and two out of my three kids were sick. That wasn't good. And then some of the presents uh, we exchanged that didn't work, uh, <laughs> which was a bummer. And uh, then I couldn't help but think as I sat amongst the debris, you know how that is when it's kind of all settling down? <laughs> And I looked around the house and I thought of just all the stuff I gotta do. I mean, uh, yeah, there's stuff to box up, I get that, but I, I, we, have, we have so many problems with our house, you know? I've got uh, you know, flooding from last week. How did your house do with all that rain? I got holes in the drywall from trying to fix things from last week. It just, uh, it was hard to sit there and think about the imperfections of my life. You ask me today, yeah, it was a great Christmas, but it's, uh, it's far from perfect. Uh, you know, imperfect world, imperfect person, imperfect heart, imperfect Christmas. It's just the way it is. And we can, uh, we can be surfacy about our assessments, but to get honest, we recognize that uh, at some level in our lives, there is this uh, discontent with the present world. And that's not a bad thing. As Lewis said, and I quoted the first part of that quote from Mere Christianity, but the second part of the quote, it may be more helpful. When he says, I must keep alive, C.S. Lewis says, in myself the desire for my true country, which I shall not find until after death, and I must not let it get snowed under or turned aside. I must make it the main object of life and press on to that other country and help others to do so also. It's important for us to realize this world is not our home and to realize that when we do have that sense of discontent with the world, that's okay, Not only that, it's the only honest answer for every real Christian, every real person, actually, any person that's honest with themselves. But it is, in the meantime, between now and the perfection of Christ coming back, when the kingdom of the world become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, that the present period can be uh, characterized by a kind of abiding, transcendent contentment in our hearts. And there's one spiritual exercise that will make that possible. There's one thing that God is always commanding us to do as followers of Christ, that if we engage in it, see, we'll, we'll have this real uh, undergirding, this, this anchor in our heart that will keep us, uh, as Lewis said, kind of fixated on the true country. It'll keep us focused on things that are eternal, not on things that are temporary. Uh, the things that are unseen, not the things that are seen. It will get our, uh, our hearts, as Paul said in Colossians 3, fixed on things that are above, and uh, it'll do wonders for how we uh, traverse the imperfections of this life. And the thing I'm talking about is, is worship. And it's not just something you do when you sing songs in church. It's something that uh, should be happening in your life every day. Let me show you how it's done from Psalm 145. If you have your Bibles, please turn there. Psalm 145, the biggest book of the Bible, is actually a song book of inspired songs with inspired verses that God has placed there to help aid us to be worshipers. And the great news is it does wonders for us in changing our heart and our perspective, 
Because I, let me just be, really be honest, I know that most of us can answer the way I did. Yeah, had a good Christmas, it wasn't perfect, and if I think about it, yeah, it was less than ideal. But I know some of you have real bad Christmases. It is, according to the California Mental Health Department, the worst time of year for people. It says there is more emotional stress and more acts of violence during the Christmas season than any other time of the year. Part of that is because of the, the heightened expectations that aren't met and the disparity between what I want and what is real. And uh, it is something that I know for some of you is very hard, uh, very difficult time. Well, here is the answer. We need to be people that worship God. And the more you do it, like David, uh, the more I think you'll see something happen inside that gives you, as Paul put, a peace that surpasses all understanding. Now look at Psalm 145, see the superscription on it, it says a song of praise, a song of David. Song of praise, you may think, well that's every other psalm in the Psalter. Well, this is the only song that's, uh, uh, that's so named. Right now though, let's look at the first three verses. Let's just see if we can glean a template for your life and mine, the actions with which we should participate that will change our heart, make it a little bit more stable regardless of the temporal changing events and sometimes the disappointing events of life. I will extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised and his greatness is unsearchable. Well, there's one thing you get in the first three verses there is that David is into worshiping God all the time, right? And if you're not, then I need to say this to you, point number one on your outline, you and I, we need to worship God more often. Worship God more often. It needs to be, according to verse number two, every day. Many times a day wouldn't hurt you. It needs to happen all the time. Worship, that's the word we use, but you won't find it there in the first three verses, but let's define it so you know that we're talking about the same thing. If you want to define the concept or the word of worship, you, you can even hear it in English. It comes from the word worth. And it has to do, let's give it the most full definition I can in a sentence, three A's. It is about assessing, it is about acknowledging, and it is about ascribing the worth of the thing I'm worshiping, right? I'm, I'm assessing the worth of it, I'm acknowledging the worth of it, and I'm ascribing the worth of it. It is that in my mind I figure out how great it is, in my mind I acknowledge how great it is, and in my words or my attitude I'm ascribing how great it is. Okay, that's worship. Which by the way, you'll notice, I, did I say anything about feelings in that definition? No. People think that worship is about feelings, why? Because oftentimes when you worship, you have some feelings and then you start to associate those green fuzzy feelings to worship and then you say, well I gotta feel it and then I'll start worshiping. That's not how worship works. Matter of fact, there are three words that are used in verses one through three that will help us recognize this is an action, a decision, something you purpose to do every day regardless of whether you feel it or not. And sometimes your feelings will catch up and when they do, that's nice. And you get feelings that kind of make you feel like those times when you have defined worship as a feeling. But don't worry about your feelings. You worry about these three things. Look at the first one, third word in verse number one, I will, what's the word? Extol, circle that word, probably not a word you used in your normal conversation this week, extol. Here's what extol. Rom, the Hebrew word rom, translated extol, is the word to put up, to lift up. Or it is a directional word. It has to do with something that is high. And my words now move from here to here to here to here. They keep going up. And when we talk about the greatness of God, my expressions need to try and go up to meet him. 
And I know those directional things are just for our communication, but when we see God and his greatness in the Bible, isn't he always you know, described as high and lifted up, exalted, those kinds of things? Because he's great. His greatness is so great, we have to view it as exalted. And our words now, to extol means my words start getting more and more exalted. For instance, I could say God is good. That's a good way to say it, and that's a good word, that's a good sentence, and it's true. But now I can, I can up it a little bit. God is, is great. God is supremely great. God is super duper great, right? Whatever, my word, they keep becoming more superlative, higher, more exalted. That's what worship is. To extol the Lord is not just to say common things about God, it's to say things that are above, they're higher, they're greater. That's the concept of extolling, is to go further with our words. To have our words and our attitudes match the lofty and majestic nature of God. And that is one way we worship. We extol him. What's the next word there? I will extol you, my God and my king, and here's the other word, circle that one. The next one that describes worship here is the word bless, barak, the word bless. To bless is a word literally that means to, uh, to consecrate something, to set it apart, to move it from here to there, to barak. Bless is used two ways in the Bible. If you wanted to... Uh, the opposite would be to curse. When, when they wanted to hire Balaam to curse the Israelites, he could only bless them. What was he doing? He was saying things that would speak of some future favor, some to, to portend or to, to in some way uh, uh, wish upon or endow upon them some future good, some fortune. Now, I can't do that with God because God is already as superlative and great as he's possibly gonna be. So I'm not saying, you know, may your uh, future be great. May your stocks go up. May, your, you know, may you have great health and clear skin, you know, or whatever. I, I can't say that. that. That's not the kind of blessing we're talking about because God is, is, is perfect. So to bless now in this regard when I speak of God is simply to affirm all the superlative greatness about him. I'm I'm saying I'm gonna show you with my words how set apart that you are. So my words, my thoughts, my attitudes exalt him. They affirm his separate holiness, his greatness that he is set apart in a class by himself, affirming his goodness. Look at the next word now that that describes a, a person that's engaged in worship. It says, I will, verse number two, every day I will bless you, and here's our third word, circle it. We've already had the word bless, but here's the third one, praise your name. This is a Hebrew word you've heard many times, hallel, hallel. We get the word hallelujah from it. Hallel is literally now, means to shine. It, it, it's, a, it's an imagery of light to hallel. Hallelujah, by the way, means all of you need to praise Yahweh. Uh, hallel, lu, y'all, Yah, Yahweh. Hallel, though, means to shine. It means to put a spotlight on something. I mean, that's kind of the imagery of it all. I mean, we translate it praise. It, it is to heap some kind of, of praise or good or acclaim or laud on them to show how great they are. God is great. Most people don't realize it. And when we praise him, maybe in your own heart you don't realize how great it is, the more you praise him, the more you shine light on the truth of who he is. In other words, in all of these words, to extol, to bless, and to praise, God doesn't change. What's changing is me, right? I'm broadening my view of the greatness of God. I'm putting more light on how great God is. I'm affirming more of God's greatness. That's why, by the way, worship is so life-changing for us. Right? Is, it, is it appropriate for God? Yes, does he take pleasure in, in worship? Absolutely. But the great thing is it's transforming for us because we begin to change our view of God 
and it begins to change a lot about how we think about life. Why? Verse three, great is the Lord and greatly to be praised and his greatness is unsearchable because you can never stop increasing not only in the time but in the quality of your praise. You can praise God more and more about a singular aspect of his life. Let's think of love, God's love. Paul said the breadth, the height, the depth, and the length of God's love, I want them to comprehend that, right? I want them, here's how Paul goes on to say, comprehend the thing that is incomprehensible. His ways are beyond searching out. But I'm supposed to praise him for his wisdom, I'm supposed to praise him for his love, and I could spend forever doing that because there's so much to it. And, and so I'm fueled every day to kind of go to deeper layers and then peel off more layers of the greatness of God to see and expose how great he is. And, and the more you do this, and the more you fixate your heart and mind on what is transcendent, unchangeable, eternal, the less you're disappointing Christmas it really matters. Christmas is hard because of misplaced expectations. I think to myself often when I hear the trouble that takes place in people's lives and they're so torn up about so many things and I think, are, what are we expecting? from this world. We need to look beyond the world, set our minds on things above, store up treasure in heaven, where your treasure is, your heart will be also. Because one day we're, we're gonna see him, we'll be there. And I think about contentment and I think about putting my eyes on the, as Lewis said, my own country, the other country, the, the place where we're gonna be. I hope that you will this week more than ever before, maybe in the new year it'll be one of your resolves to turn your eyes more often to Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Let's pray. God, help us please to be less stressed out about this life. Help us please, God, for some I know it's true, statistically it's true, more people stressed out at Christmas time and disappointed and unmet expectations, the distance between the postcards and the Christmas cards in their life, it's big and they struggle, they get depressed. And God, for Christians, we gotta be so different than that. It doesn't matter whether it's a good time or a bad time, whether it's a time of plenty or a time of want, whether we're sick or we're healthy, whether we're hungry or well-fed, whether we're well-clothed or not, God, it, doesn't, it shouldn't matter to us. Ultimately, it may be inconvenient, it may be hard, there may be pain involved. I'm not talking about stoicism here, I'm talking about trusting in God and focusing on that which is eternal. So get our hearts there. Let us be people that are known for our worship and change our hearts in the process that we can be unaffected by the ebb and flow of the good and bad and the pain and the release of this life. Get our eyes fixed on you this week like never before. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. A reminder to look to Jesus for lasting joy and peace. You're listening to Pastor Mike Fabares, and this is Focal Point. The final weekend of 2018 has finally arrived, and we're staring at the finish line after a trailblazing year at Focal Point. We know this ministry belongs to our Heavenly Father, and it's all in God's hands, to do as He pleases. And yet God always provides through His people, so we're calling on every listener to do their part in helping us finish strong. We stand convicted that the Holy Spirit will move those who stand with us to respond today. Won't you pray about your commitment this year? But hurry, the clock is ticking and time is running out. As December 31st approaches, the window for making your tax-deductible gift is closing. This is the time to designate funds from your appreciated stocks, bonds, annuities, and bonuses, and get a tax break, too. Ask your tax advisor for details. 
Then go ahead and reinvest in Focal Point, a venture that'll continue to pay spiritual dividends into the new year. Don't delay. Pick up the phone and offer your gift right now. Call 888-320-5885 or go to focalpointradio.org. Or send your year-end check to Focal Point, Post Office Box 2850, Laguna Hills, California, 92654. Remember to say thanks, we'll send you the complete book of who's who in the Bible. Get a colorful commentary on every major player in the Bible with a summary on why they're so important. But hurry, this offer expires Monday. Request your copy today by calling 888-320-5885 or go to focalpointradio.org. I'm Dave Drury, wishing you a restful weekend. Join Pastor Mike Fabares when he returns with more on investing in relationships. That's Monday on Focal Point. Today's program was produced and sponsored by Focal Point Ministries.